Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Those of you joining us online, all of you this weekend, um, I, I hope you sense it like I'm just grateful, grateful to be with you. Thank God I get a chance to be a part of it. Who cares if I'm the pastor? I just wanna be with people like you. I wanna be in an atmosphere where 81-year-old men are giving their life to Christ, where daughters go to camp and their dads go to heaven. I wanna be in that place. I wanna be in that place. I wanna be in the place where the church is not seen as a peripheral group of people that eat potluck and are irrelevant. I wanna be in the place where we're looked to to solve the problems in our world. I wanna be in that place where Jesus is moving, not inside the walls, but outside the walls. I wanna be in the place where a man says, I haven't been to church but five times, but I'm praying with my wife now. I'm learning to read the Bible. Jesus is in that place. Jesus shows up in those atmospheres. I wanna be in a place where he says, there's thousands of people, but I feel important and I feel seen and I feel a part of it. Let's continue on this moment as we celebrate to reinvigorate ourselves with those values, with those things that God's called us to be because that's who God's called us to be. Now, I have to tell you, it hasn't always been like this. I know we have new people in our community, and you're like, where did these people come from? Well, 32 of us moved from Abilene. I see a few. I see Marcus over there. Marcus came with me here 20 years ago. Um, Some college students who were finishing college, they decided to go on this adventure to plant a church. There were people that sold their businesses and we came to Indian Springs Middle Schools where we had our first service. It's in South Keller. I know our Hazlitt campus, they're meeting in a cafetorium, but theirs is like an upgrade from what we had. Um, in fact, I remember back to, it's, it's interesting, we're doing a miracle series because it's a miracle we're here. I always love to tell this story to keep perspective so you all know. We had the same values, but it wasn't always this way. One Sunday in the summer, Uh, In fact, it was so hot, maybe not as hot as this year, but it was so hot and the air conditioning went out. Ladies' faces were melting before my eyes as I preached. I had a three-piece suit on. I don't know why I had a three-piece suit on, um, but it seemed right. Um, We opened the back doors, the ushers did, because it was so hot and they didn't just let air in, a dog ran in. He's like running down the aisle. And they grabbed him and threw him out the back. You had to be quick on your feet. I said, it takes one level of God's power and anointing to draw people to a hot dog smelling cafetorium. It's a whole nother level when you got the power to draw the dogs off the street. Y'all know what I'm saying? And uh, if you know South Keller there, there's Indian Springs Middle School. There's one of the largest Catholic churches in Tarrant County. And in between it is a little red brick building. And uh, we were there a couple of years and we ended up being able to lease this building there at North Tarrant and Willis Lane. And so we're fired up. It's a weekend like this where we're getting set free from set up and tear down. We're going to our new building. 
And so I preached that weekend and told everybody, next weekend, right there, it's just right to the north of Indian Springs. You can see it. I said, next weekend, we're going there. We got that building. Come on, somebody. We're moving on up. Well, I preached, and I'm standing out there shaking hands, and I looked at our new building, and smoke started coming from the roof. There was a, this, I didn't make this up. There's an electrical problem. It caught on fire. Smoke's coming up. One guy walked out. He said, preacher, your church is really on fire. I said, that's not funny. This is not a joke. Our church is on fire. All along the way, just taking steps. I'm excited to celebrate with you. And I want to invite you to not just celebrate with us at grand opening, but do what it is we feel called to do. And that is that we journey together, that we take steps together. I like to say we're not just uh, an individual hearing messages or, or just, uh, we're, we're really a family and we're just all taking our next step that God puts in front of us. That's why we've designed this miracle series and we're in the introduction so you can jump in with us. We design it this way, it's on purpose. We've been doing it for 20 years. And, and here's the components of it. You attend the services like you are this weekend that's good, you're gonna receive from the word, you're gonna, you're gonna have some insights, it's good. But then the second thing is we have a resource for you. I don't make any personal resources off of these books at any location of Milestone Church, so you're our church, I, I'm, these are for you. We are charging $7 to help us keep make it available to others. I think I've given out 15 this weekend for free, but anyway, we're, we're using these resources because it enhances the journey. And so you're able to use the QR code, get to the video, learn some things, use it in your quiet time, help you grow. But the third component, attend the services, get a book, but the third component is very powerful, get in a group. We, we want you to get connected. You can go to the resource areas, you can find someone, you can go to our small group finder because I wanna I want tell you something that I find as a pastor is common in our day. We have more religious content than we ever have had before. We're overexposed to content, but we're underdeveloped in the real Christian life because the real Christian life requires relationships if you read the New Testament. It's filled with the one another's. I don't know if you've thought about this, but many times when God wants to do something amazing in your life, he brings a person. He distributes his goodness through that person, and so it's how the Bible's been studied for centuries, even the early church. So, so I know it's a little risky if you're new. Jump into a group. You'll make some new friends. You're going to make some connections, and you're going to grow as you walk it out together. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you hang out dictates where you're going. So we want to create and facilitate this environment. What's the series about? Well, I went to the Holy Land. And I went to the miracle locations of Jesus. No one performed more miracles than Jesus. There's a lot of miracles in the Bible, but no one performed more than Jesus. So I went to these locations of these miracles, and when we go to the specific miracle, I'm gonna take you to a location there, and it's gonna kinda make your Bible come alive. So we're gonna each week go to the location of the miracle. These two weeks, we're still setting up the journey and getting started. What is a miracle though? A miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. It's better said, those are big words, it's when God shows up. 
It's when God, the almighty God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the miracle-working God, like, touches you and your world. Wow. And so a lot of us, as we go through this series, there's a lot to grapple with. That's why I'm taking these two weeks to get us going. Because when you see in the Bible that, like, People walk on water, people come back from the dead, eyes are healed, blind people see. If we're really honest, you like can read it and you're like, is this a storybook? Like, is this real? It messes with our linear, pragmatic, in the box, test tube, empirical way of viewing the world. But, but I wanna start this week by getting you going on the journey. God is a miracle working God. Psalm 77, 14 says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Aren't you glad that God in all of his awesomeness didn't stay in heaven in his awesomeness and didn't stay distant from us, but he chose to bring an expression of that power to our everyday lives. And I wanna start this first week by helping you get more connected to that miracle idea. It can seem so far off. As one person said, I wanna see a miracle, I just don't wanna be in the place where I need a miracle. Maybe I'm talking to somebody this weekend, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. But it can seem like when you're praying, that it's like your, your prayers are just like dissipating into the clouds. It can seem so far off. I wanna talk to you about some of the barriers and some of the ways that we feel disconnected from God's grace and power. I wanna take you to a location that's very unique, get our conversation started. Watch this with me, I'll come back and unpack it. have a lot of anticipation about this miracle series because I've been thinking about you and thinking about how God comes into our everyday lives and how much Jesus reflects the heart of God and how Jesus makes a relationship with God so personal, something we can connect to, something that's real and tangible and miracles are one of those things. Now I wanna be very clear Miracles, the primary purpose, when you study scripture and you look in, you may ask why the miracles and where did these happen and what are all the things about these miracles that we don't understand? One of the things we have to be guaranteed of is that they're there to establish that Jesus was the Son of God, that he was divinity, that he was deity. Yes, he was a man here on earth, but he was also God and the miracles if you will, authenticate, validate him as the true son of God. But also I'm in a unique place where when I began to think about how this miracle series could connect you to Jesus in a personal way, 
My mind immediately went to this place because it's a moving place to me. This is the southern steps to the temple. This is the entrance where the everyday person would have went to the temple and this is a place where Jesus would have actually walked. There's a lot of places in the Holy Land. It's like, was it here? Was it there? And there's churches and sites and museums, but all the archeologists and every person agrees that this would have been a place where Jesus actually walked. I read an interesting article that Neil Armstrong, in fact, the one who walked on the moon when he came in 1994 right here, he asked his guide, he said, can you take me to a place where you guarantee Jesus would have walked? And they brought him here. Neil Armstrong kneeled down and kissed the ground and he said, this is more moving to me than taking a step on the moon. I, I wanna give you a few thoughts this introductory season as we're going through it. I wanna give you a few thoughts very quickly. First of all, just in it, when it comes to miracles, the first instruction of scripture is don't have unbelief. Don't be skeptical. Don't be, well, I don't know about that. See, that doesn't posture you in a way to receive. The second thing is don't come from a posture of pride demanding God. You know, God is, he gives us these miraculous events as, out of his generosity. So it's, it's not a posture in which we become demanding. And most of all, we don't turn it into a formula. There's this mystery, there's this amazement, this, this awe. In fact, as I'm here, it still brings me to this awe and wonder of, of Jesus, what he did, the miracles. It's, it's not a formula. And I promise you on this journey, if we'll, we'll take an open heart and really look at these stories and we'll engage with scripture and one another as we study, I promise you, God's gonna reveal a, a perspective, a, a side to his character and nature to you personally and meet you right where you are. think about the Southern Steps, what makes it unique and every person wants to go there is you feel like you're making tangible contact with a place where Jesus was. I think all of us at some level have this, this desire, could I make connection with God? What would happen if I did? Would it help me in my depression and my anxiety? Would it help me with my kids, would it, what would happen if I, if I made connection with God, my physical ailments, like what, what, it, what would happen if I could touch God, if God would touch me? I, I wanna just this first week, I wanna tell you a story. I wanna help you here as we're getting started. I, I wanna tell you a story that I think we can all relate to, but I wanna I wanna help us think about where we are before I show you all the elements of the story. If you have your Bibles, I'm gonna be in John chapter four. I'm gonna show you some elements of a story. I wanna tell you what the story is. It's the story of a broken woman. And this woman is in this place in Samaria and she's a Samaritan. And you might think, well, what does that mean? Well. She had a very distinct culture, she had a distinct background, and Jesus, who's a Jew, who wouldn't normally go through that as a Jew, he wouldn't interact with her as a devout man, 
I'm gonna show you actually one week where there's some miracles that happen, and that's why I showed you the map, by the way. Most people went around Samaria. There were common travel routes around Samaria, but this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is not like everybody else. He, he went to this place. He went past the barriers. He, he went to her. And so she is at a place where he meets her at a well and she's just going to draw water though she's doing it in the middle of the day, which means she's alone. She's not doing it with all the other people in the morning and the evening. Jesus has a powerful interaction with her and she's not just a Samaritan woman. She's a woman with a lot of pain and a lot of problems and she's got some sexual problems. She's got some identity problems. And when I read her story, I just think, She's so full of shame. She's so full of shame. She just doesn't believe she deserves to have the goodness of God in her life. And so we look at her story, but before you again go to the story, I wanna talk to you about where we find ourselves in this week as we're gonna look at a lot of physical healings in this journey. You're gonna be amazed at like leprosy being cured, that's, that's crazy. It was a, 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 a very challenging disease. I mean, you're gonna see eyes open, like weather patterns, like, but, but I don't wanna miss, and I want us to talk about this this, this week, is it's not just a physical miracle that are miracles. What about when Jesus heals a heart? What about when Jesus heals the emotional state of a broken woman? What about when Jesus comes to heal our souls and our spirits and our insides? That's what happens in this moment, but she has some barriers. I want everybody to key in. She has some barriers. This is important, and they're a lot like ours. As I began to pray for you, I thought, what could stop us from engaging with a series like miracles and touching God and experiencing God? I think it's this thought. I don't deserve that. I, I don't deserve God doing something gracious and merciful and generous in my life. I don't deserve that. This week, I'd like us to think about who deserves a miracle? So we've got these barriers that hold us back from miracles because we think, this is how we naturally think culturally. All I've done for 30 years, I started as a senior pastor at 21 is pastor people and work with people and lead small groups. And uh, this 101 class I want to invite you to, I've done 256 of those. I've shaken thousands of hands and I find some common patterns that people have. And I think I've had these too. We think the only person that could receive something miraculous from God's just got to be a very spiritual person. You know, you got to be this spiritual person. You got to know all this spiritual stuff. You've got to be spiritually valuable enough to receive this from God. It's why that people, when they come to church or they come to a small group, like they feel on the outside. That's why I'm so thankful for all of you, how you're warm, how you're loving. As Brandy said, did you know a high five can be spiritual? We've all been to a spiritual group of people who, you know, they're like, they're, I'm standing here because my pastor told me. You ask them how they're doing, they're like, I'm blessed. Don't do that, that's stupid. <laughs> it's weird. Did you know a hug or a 
generous thought or hey, how you doing, can remove barriers in the lives of people because people feel on the outside. It's like going to a gym if you've never been to one. You walk in, you don't, these people are wearing weird, weird outfits. You know, and, and you, don't, you don't know how it all works. You're anxious. There's a guy in the corner. He's got his bicep oiled up. He ate a chicken for breakfast. He's like, ah. You're like, ah. Where's the Barbie dumbbells? Can I start with those? Y'all know what I mean? Like, how do these machines work? I think a lot of us still have the view only spiritual people get good stuff from God. Here's another common cultural thought. If you do good, you get good. So do good. Don't do bad because if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. And all of us know we've done bad. So we feel like we're disqualified from God ever doing something amazing in our family or in our hearts or in our lives because we know all the bad that we've done. And I think a lot of people have thought this. Is God punishing me? Why would I ask God to heal something that I deserve? I deserve the punishment. So I don't know if I'm even in, a, in the place of being a candidate for that. I prayed with a young guy, 27 years old this week, sat with him, he's had some tough stuff in his journey. And I could just see the condemnation, the shame from the patterns that he had participated in. He's come to our church for the last couple of months. He's finding friends, he's getting connected, but. There's some seeds that he's sown. There's some things that he's done that he's, he's still, you know, I mean, God accepts you like you are, but sometimes there's a redemptive process. Can I encourage somebody today? Just stay in the process. As I began to speak to him, I said, I see you one day walking in health. I see you one day being the man of God God's called you to be. I see your family. I see it. He just began to weep, just began to cry. See, he didn't have faith for himself. He was just leaning on that encouragement because here's what the devil wants for you. Not you screwed up, you are a screw up. Not you messed up, you are a mess up. So if he can get you to identify yourself that way, you'll destroy your life. We have this do good, get good. And here's another one in our culture. You know, the people that get good stuff from God have all this deep knowledge. We've all met the person. They act like that they know stuff about God that nobody else does. Oh, you've never seen this before? Just, just, just for help, when, when someone says, you've never heard of this, no one's ever heard of this, it's probably gonna be heresy that's coming on the backside of that statement. There's nothing new under the sun. And so what we have in our culture is this air that we give off to people that the real mature people are the people that hang out with only mature people and they know the deep insights of everything and they're prideful and kind of arrogant and you're like, you may know everything, but I don't really like you. I don't wanna be with you, I don't want what you have. And I just wanna make sure we understand on this miracles journey, this woman, when you read the Bible, that's Jesus' MO, that's his modus operandi. He didn't go to the deep knowledge people, he went to the hurting people, he went to the people on the outside. I routinely ask people, they'll be like, well, you know, I'm really on the meat. By the way, in this story, Jesus actually, after it finishes with his disciples, says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Maturity's not he who knows the most, it's who can do what they know. And they'll be like, I, I know all this stuff about the Bible. I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? Because when I read the Bible, I see an expression come out of the heart of people 
for those that feel disenfranchised. Jesus went to them. There's some cultural barriers though that she has and we have. She's a Samaritan, she's a woman. She has a bunch of past husbands you'll see in a minute. She's got a bunch of stuff she's done wrong. And, and, and in this group of Samaritans, there's a background, there's a tradition, there's her ethnicity, there's, there's her religious expressions. And by the way, we're that way too. People are not linear, linear. they're not compartmentalized. We're, we're like organic soup. And so you are a sum total of where you've come from and your religious background and and, and, and whether it's that you're like this gentleman who said, I've been to church five times, or I met a gentleman last night that, that was here at our Saturday night service in church for the first time in 20 years he was sitting there. I met him after the service. So you're either coming from, I've been out on this and don't know the game, or you're coming from, this is how we played the game. But I do wanna say this. As a pastor, I've seen so many times one of the largest barriers is I don't wanna disappoint my family. If I go all in with this Jesus stuff, I'm afraid my dad or my grandfather or my friends or my family or somebody and my reputation, I, I don't know, it, it can be a barrier. The other thing is there's a spiritual barrier in her life. You'll see it, we'll read it. Jesus asked her about her husband and she's had multiple and she's living with a guy. So sin is a real barrier. Where it's messy and complicated, sin is too. Because it's not just the stuff you've done, which I know that people feel like I can't come to Jesus, much less come to Jesus. A lot of people don't feel like they can even come to church. I invite people to church. They're like, man, if I came, the roof would fall in. Early days of the church, I played golf with a few guys on Fridays. My golf game was so bad, I took two weeks off and quit. But back then, it was pretty common. I was new in town. I'm a pastor, you know, and you get paired up with some people from the community and they don't know who you are, you don't know who they are and you know, there's, there's a few dirty jokes coming from their side of the fence and a few the comments and beverages and thing. About the 10th hole, you know, you're standing there and they, they start conversing and it's what, you know, guys do. You know, this guy, what do you do? Well, I'm an insurance salesman and this guy, and it's coming to me. It's gonna be a real hard eight more holes What do you do? I'm a motivational speaker. <laughs> but, 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 but when you, you know, I have it happen at weddings and funerals and, and people come into church. Why, why? I wanna help you with something. Why do you feel guilty? Because you are guilty. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's stuff you've done you've never told anybody, much less the stuff you've thought about doing. And sin's messy and complicated because it's not just the stuff you've done, it's the stuff that's been done to you. And so you've got these barriers, these spiritual barriers, and there's relational barriers. Who will help me? I feel all alone. She had a loneliness thing too. That's why she was getting water by herself. There's a loneliness element. There's a perception element, a reputation element. Psychologists today call it imposter syndrome. And that is this thought, if these people really knew who I was, none of them would like me. None of them would accept me. It's a real barrier. And yet Jesus, and yet Jesus, but Jesus, this is who he is. The first thing he does is he comes to us. Aren't you thankful that he doesn't even 
make us always, we, we, we don't even know how it works, but like he's drawing us. He's drawing 81-year-old men to himself. He's drawing. The guy said, let's go to the one with the big billboards. I, I thought that was, God can use anything. He'll use a billboard. He'll, he'll use a friend at work. You'll, you'll try to run from him. There's an Old Testament verse, the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no one pursues. You can't outrun God. It's like, man, he'll, he'll, he doesn't play fair. He'll give you a kid that loves God. Let's go to church. Uh, what am I gonna do with that? <laughs> give you a teenager, get saved at camp. He'll, he'll come to you. Jesus didn't go the common route around Samaria. He told his disciples, we're going through Samaria. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by this well. It was about noon. No one should be there at noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? As we see this, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and how can you ask me for a drink? Look what it says here. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Do you see the barriers? There were cultural barriers. There were religious barriers. Jesus didn't let any of those stop him, and I wanna say to somebody that needs to hear this, there's nothing you've done, there's nowhere you've been, there's no amount of cursing God or yelling at God or running from God or anger toward God or problems you've ever had or ever will have that would stop Jesus from sitting down at a well with you, interacting with you. My thought is, why don't you just have the conversation? Why don't you just let him in? Why don't you just, as the guy said on the video, we thought we would give it a try. What does he do though in this conversation? He restores us. I mean, I have testimonies after testimonies. We saw them this weekend. I'm still amazed at how Jesus restores the human heart, how Jesus can restore your apathy toward life, how Jesus can restore your disappointment, how Jesus can show up and change you, how Jesus can lift the weight off of you, how Jesus can change your family, your friendships. He restores us. She went to that well at noon because she had major shame. Look at it. I have no husband when he asked her about her husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said here, he says, is quite true. She didn't see hope for herself. She didn't feel like she was included, but he had hope for her. We haven't we didn't stop at the little building that caught on fire, which we got under control and met there. We also used to meet at 801 Keller Parkway. Uh, that's behind Taco Casa. If you've never been there, it's the house of the taco. And did you know we had a guy who sat in his car? I remember this so vividly. Some of our team came to me and said, there's a guy. He sat in his car for three or four weeks in the parking lot. Some of our serve team was like, what's this guy doing? What's going on? They went to him and interacted with him and he said, I know I need what's in there. I know God's doing, but I don't feel qualified to go in. That's a radical example, but how we feel sometimes. They reached out to him, they helped him, they brought him in. That's what Jesus does with us, but he didn't stop there. He began to talk to her about this water. Everyone who drinks this water 
will be thirsty again, talking about the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. We have a thirsty culture trying to fill their vacuum and heart with success or pleasure or sin. The enemy is putting that in front of you, saying you'll, you'll be able to satisfy your thirst, but Jesus says there's a water that you drink from that's the only thing that'll satisfy. The woman said, I know that Messiah, this Messiah's coming called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us, and then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So Jesus reveals himself to her, and you're like, how do we know she was really changed? Well, this lonely woman filled with shame goes from there and goes into town and tells everybody about this Jesus. I, I love it. The final thing Jesus does in our lives is he, he then restores relationships. He, he restores the relationships with the people you love. He, 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 he takes you from what is big in our world today where we have information and we have DIY, do it yourself, and we have more technology than we've ever had but we're lonely people. So many people living outside of God's best. Didn't you love the lady who said, I have all these new friends. You know, you're preparing your relationship world today for your problems of tomorrow. The problems awaiting you. So now she has all these friends and John 4:39 says this, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, I say, this is a miracle too. And it's a miracle Jesus is still performing. I wanna tell you this final story that I wanna pray for you. My daughter, who just went to college, she wrote me a letter. I was thinking all week about how we don't feel like we deserve the goodness of God. It's interesting how sometimes in your life you get a preaching illustration based on your life, but my, my daughter wrote me this long letter, it was, it was really moving, honestly. She's leaving kind of the fields, and she was telling me about this encounter she had with God this summer. And uh, I sent her to this camp. It's really not about the camp or the experience. It was really about what happened, but I, I sent her. She didn't really want to go. She's a little bit old for the group that she went with, and so I just felt really, really strongly she should go do this. And she went by herself. It's a long way away, and She's my real responsible kid, you know. Thank God you get one of those out of four. <laughs> and so she goes there and they put her in this group with a bunch of misfits. Like I think there's one kid said he was a Satanist and the kids, two or three of the kids are like cussing out the counselors and the pastor's daughter got put in there with the sinners, y'all know what I'm saying? And God was in it all. Journeys along and they get to this moment where they take these young people up into the mountains and it's kind of a, a survival kind of journey and there's these counselors and they take you and Lauren got appointed as the secretary to make sure everybody had everything and she's kind of the spokesperson for the group. They get there, they get up to this moment and what they don't know is that the whole time the counselors have been grading them on their behavior. So they gather the whole group and say, guys, we've got something to share with you. We've been grading you on your behavior and you've won a trophy. You don't really want this trophy. 
the trophy you've won is you have the most infractions of any group we've ever brought to this camp. And there's all these violations. They said, so now we want you as a group to go talk and you guys need to decide, do you deserve justice or mercy? They go off and get together and they all are like, man, we were the worst. We need justice. So Lauren gets them all, they come back and they says, well, we deserve justice. Well, the justice act was, give me all your food for the next two days. As a dad, I'm like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty stiff. They take their food, they go off for a couple hours dealing with the reality. I don't know, maybe we're gonna have to like forage for berries or something. They bring them back after a couple of hours after the teaching lesson had set in and say to them, you deserve justice, but we were fasting for two days on your behalf on this journey. We wanna give you back your food. I, I mean, I've done a lot of camps and a lot of teaching lessons. I thought, that's a pro move right there. And it really impacted me. I thought, wow, what a great lesson. You know, Jesus on our behalf, he took all of our sin and pain and he took what we deserved so we could receive the mercy and grace of God. I want you to bow your heads. There's somebody maybe listening to me. I'm gonna ask you not to move for just a second, but you're like, I need the grace of God in my life, pastor. I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not right with Jesus. Maybe you're like some of these people we saw baptized. You need to say, Jesus, let me just give you the words to say, but it's about your heart. Jesus, I want to receive your grace. I know I'm guilty. I know what I've done, but I'll receive your grace in my life today. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I like to say it this way because it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. Jesus, become my Jesus. My Lord and Savior, I receive you today. If you prayed that prayer, we're gonna ask you, come forward or come to 101. Let us know so that we can help you in your journey. Second of all, Lord, I pray right now for all of us. There's, there's, there's abundant grace. And Lord, wherever we have hangups or barriers or things that are holding us back from just, just receiving from you. Lord, I pray every person listening to me in this miracle series, Lord, we're gonna see a, a new side of your character, your nature, be, be once again wowed by your awesomeness. Lord, we just open ourselves up to you. I pray every person will join in on the journey and you're gonna touch us along the way because that's what you do in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.